0: Hey, pole dancer. Welcome to the evidence-based pole podcast. My name is Rosie Boa. I'm a pole dancer, pole teacher, and personal trainer. And I've started this podcast so that we can learn together, talk with the experts, read the research, and feel better on and off the pole. So if that sounds like something you're interested in doing, let's go. This week, we're going to be talking about rest, and specifically the science of rest and some of the research that's been done around that and what is known in the sports exercise, sports exercise, sports science, exercise science, kinesiology sort of space. And unfortunately, I'm going to say right off the bat, we don't have a lot of research that's been done specifically on rest and pole dancers. There just hasn't been a whole bunch of researchers done on on pole dance in particular. So most of what I'm talking today is really going to be drawing on more general exercise science stuff stuff that we covered in my in my personal training certification and the reason why i think it's super important for pole dancers in particular to think about rest is because to be frank we don't do a great job of it as a discipline (laughs) pole dancers love to pole a lot of studios offer unlimited class packages where you could if you wanted to take class every single day a lot of folks who are doing pole are newer to pole and maybe in that phase of adaptation where like they don't necessarily need regular rest to the degree that they will in a couple of months when stuff starts getting a little bit more real I think it's really important to talk about in the pole space and as a as a teacher and as a personal trainer working with pole dancers far and away the biggest problem that I see if we're thinking about under training which is not doing enough to meet whatever goals you're looking at and over training is over training like hands down I see way 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 more folks over training than I do under training so just putting that out there super super common for folks in pole not to be getting enough rest so so what are we going to talk about today? Well, first of all, we'll talk about what counts as rest. I also got some really good questions on Instagram that I'm going to be sprinkling throughout here, some answers. What counts as rest? How often should you rest? and What's that going to look like? And then specifically some some warning signs to look for that are like, hey, you need to change what you are doing. You need to incorporate more rest or things are currently bad and will continue to get re- continue to get worse until you do that. So we're gonna talk a little bit about overtraining. And then at the end, there were a couple questions that didn't really fit well into my outline, so I'm just gonna answer them on their own at the end. So first of all, What counts as rest? When I say rest, what do I mean? And I think a really common misconception is, particularly thinking as a personal trainer, a lot of times when you're like, you need to rest. People are like, oh, I need to lay prone. (laughs) It's a rest day, so I'm not allowed to move. That is absolutely not the case. So one question I got was, what counts as rest? Does walking or light jogging count? And I would say if that is less than what you are currently doing physically, yes. If it is on par or more than what you're currently physically doing, then no. So what counts as rest is going to depend on the current load that you are placing your body under, right? And a reduction of that load. So if you are, say, a competitive polar and you are training four hours a day for a competition, for you, rest may look like one hour of training, off the pole, gentle mobility work. Whereas for someone who is brand new to pole, one hour of mobility work may very much not constitute a rest and may be in fact an increase in, in load. So it depends a little bit on what you're doing, but in general, yeah, walking, light jogging, perfectly fine, whatever movements you need to do throughout your day, also perfectly fine. And that was also me defining rest, which is another question that I had. Just someone wanted to know like, okay, what do you mean when you say rest? Because I'm sometimes, Sometimes it's a little bit a little bit confusing. Another question that I got was how do you incorporate rest along with cross training and going to the gym which is a really really good question. So we'll talk a little bit in the next section about how often you should rest but when we think about rest It is important to consider your overall holistic movement diet is like how I like to refer to it. How like watching a nature documentary and you're like, this black bear's diet consists entirely of salmon and berries or whatever. What is in your nature documentary description movement diet? And if you are doing things that put a lot of load on your body, right? If you work in a very physical job, if you're on your feet a lot, anything that's going to be putting your system under stress you also need to consider with resting right so and you may need a rest from let's say a very physical job so if you are a roofer for example a very physical job lots of climbing lots of bending so for you a rest day would probably not incorporate going to the gym and doing the stair master and and some some hip hinge lifts like I would I would say that's probably not a great rest from that movement activity And in general, if you're a little bit sore and as you move gently, your soreness improves, that is fine. If you are moving gently and you notice that your soreness gets worse or it doesn't go away, then I would say that that is, you need something more than rest. At that point, I would talk to a doctor or a physical therapist. So low intensity cardio, probably fine, but particularly for pole artists, I would say for us, we probably on our rest days want to avoid doing things that are similar to what we do on the pole. So a lot of pulling motions, a lot of leg lifting motions, those are really common in pole. If you're working on a specific trip, maybe something that involves a lot of back bending, I'd probably not do back bending on your rest day. And the reason is that you wanna give your, your muscles that you've been working a chance to to adjust basically and repair themselves and get ready to get back to work. Which brings us to our next question, which is how often should you rest? And this is gonna depend. A lot of these things really depend on you and your movement needs and everything that's going on in your life. But as a very general rule of thumb, and if you worked with a personal trainer, they've probably also given you this like very general rule of thumb, I would recommend one rest day per week. So if you are polling, I would not pull every single day. I would pull maybe six days out of seven and have one day where you're like, okay, I'm just not going to get on the poll today. And also thinking in a little bit of a longer term, you... And this gets a little bit more complicated if you have like a specific event that you're preparing for, but in general you want to shift the intensity of how much you're working. So I would recommend that every fourth week or like one week out of a month, you do a little bit less. So you don't necessarily have to not pull at all, but you are doing pull movements that are maybe a little bit below where you're working right now. Technically, they don't require as much strength, they don't require as much flexibility, they don't require as much power. Again, just to give your system a little bit of time to rejuvenate yeah and also I mentioned if there's specific things coming up so if you have a show or competition or a retreat or a con or something where you're gonna have a big spike in activity I would decrease your training load going into that so like even the week before I would treat basically as a rest week and just do much less than you usually would so that you have a lot of energy and you're really fresh for the thing that you're going into So all of that was sort of very general, but I think it's also very helpful to talk about specific warning signs and how to know when the fact that you are not getting rest is an issue and some things to look about, oh, okay, this is affecting me and I may be overtraining. So overtraining is basically when you just do too much for too long and your body can't adapt and when trying to keep up, you're going to see a lot of really unpleasant symptoms. And so a good citation for everything I'm talking about here, and this will be in the show notes, Me, I'm not going to leave you without citations, is load, overload, and recovery in the athlete, select issues for the team physician, a census statement in current sports medicine reports. And obviously, I am not a physician. This is not medical advice. Overtraining. There is a lot of symptoms of overtraining. It is a big deal it can really negatively affect pretty much every single aspect of your life and like i said this is something that i see a lot with pole dancers particularly in let's say the first year or so of people getting into pole dance where you don't have necessarily particularly if you're not coming from a movement background you don't have that cadence of like exertion rest exertion rest established for yourself yet you don't necessarily know what that's looking like no one may have told you (laughs) that this is even a thing that can happen right that you can exercise to much so let's talk about some of the specific things that may be symptoms here and a lot of these are detailed in the article that i just mentioned And some of these are going to be physical, right? So a big one is soreness that gets worse with movement. So I mentioned if you're sore and it gets better as you move, that's probably fine. If it gets worse as you move, you've probably exerted yourself too much. You're not ready to get back to what you're doing yet. Again, longer break, longer rest. And sometimes for overtraining, you'll see people talk about not doing your target activity for even up to months, right? You'll see sometimes recommendations of like 12 weeks of not doing, in this case, pull. So definitely something you want to avoid. You may notice a plateau or a decline in your performance, right? So if you've been working on a trick or a specific climb and you've been making lots and lots of progress and then suddenly, even though nothing has changed in your training, you're not making any additional gains or you're actually getting weaker or less flexible, that again, to me, clear sign, you're overtraining. If you're getting injured, a lot I mean ideally you're not getting injured at all right that's that's the hope but if you're just sort of getting like small compounding injuries or you're getting the same injury over and over that could be a really good sign that you are, are over training and that you don't have the the capacity for the training load you're trying to take on right now if you're getting frequent infections so this is an interesting one because your <laughs> immune system will actually be compromised if you are exerting yourself too much so if you're like Always have a cold, right? If you are constantly getting sick, that is a good indication that probably something is up and it could be immunosuppression as a result of overtraining. Your sleep may be affected. So this is another big one. If again, nothing else has changed in your life, but you can't sleep, right? Your quality of sleep is worse. You can't, you're, you're waking frequently. Sometimes you may like wake up with a start in the morning and this is kind of gross, but you may like wake up with a start in the morning and like immediately have to go poop. <laughs> That's a good a, a good symbol that like there's a lot of stress that your system is under and it's having a hard time adjusting and that may be due to, to overtraining. You may have an elevated heart rate, right? And this is probably something you're more likely going to notice if you if you monitor your heart rate, like use a, a Fitbit or a wearable or something. And I would say if you if you suddenly notice that you feel your heart racing, I would say that's something that I would talk to a medical provider about quickly. Weight loss, also losing periods. If you if you do regularly get periods and you start to not get periods, if you start to lose weight, that is a great sign that you might be overtraining, that again, your body just cannot handle what you're asking it of it and that it's going to continue to get worse over time. If you're already overtraining and you're continuing to train at the same load or even trying to increase a load, which sometimes you'll see because people are like, oh, I'm plateauing, I should do more. Again, very bad <laughs> situation, not great for your body and i'm not even halfway through the physical symptoms but they're also pretty bad mental health symptoms as well which we will get to and i'm not trying to scare you i just think that it's really important that you know what these signs are so that you can look out for them in yourself so if you are really sore all the time if you have muscle pain all the time if soreness doesn't go away if you're sore for like days and days after your training i'd say that's like a good sign that you're doing way too much if your blood pressure is just sort of higher throughout the day, a good sign that you might be overtraining. And this is, again, it's probably something that you're not going to notice unless you are monitoring it through like a wearable or something, but a good thing to keep, keep an eye on. Tummy troubles? (laughs) Gastrointestinal distress, again, could very well be a sign of overtraining, particularly if you're seeing that along with a lot of these other things. If it takes you longer to recover from a workout of the same intensity, right? So let's say you usually go to a one-hour pole class and then you're sore the next day, but the day after you're fine, and you suddenly notice that it takes you two days to stop being sore and then three days to stop being sore and your body's just not recovering as quickly, it's a great sign that, again, there may be overtraining going on there. Loss or decrease in appetite, right? If you're really, really stressing your body, you're probably not going to have as much capacity to like digest food well. So you may just not be hungry, which again is a symptom of your your system, your body being under stress and under enough stress that it's sort of like imagining a spaceship metaphor. This is the point in which they start to like jettison modules that are actually really important (laughs) for like the long-term health and success of the people on the space station. But it's like, it's an emergency. They have to, right? So that's the sort of like how you can think of your body responding to like this level of chronic stress, basically chronic physical stress. So we mentioned injuries, particularly overuse injuries, right? So these are things where like, oh, my hip is like tweaked. Oh, my shoulder's twingy. Oh, my wrists always bother me. Or, oh, my knees always bother me. That just because you are consistently finding so much load, you are doing so much that your body cannot adapt to it. And particularly if you're new polar, you're probably going to notice those more in the joints because joints take longer to adapt to new loads than muscles do. Muscles adapt much more quickly. They get more blood. And possibly, and you will hear people talk about this, and I would say that the research isn't super clear that this is always the case, but if you are concerned that you might be overtraining, this could be a tool to help you, and that is changes in heart rate variability. So basically, the time between your your heartbeats is not completely consistent, there is some variability in that, and there is some research that suggests that you may see a decrease in that variability during overtraining. Not every study has found this effect, but it's something that you may want to look for. And again, if you use a Fitbit, some of them are wearable, some of them will measure them. If your phone has an infrared sensor or a fingerprint sensor, sometimes you can find phone apps that will measure that. So also something that you can look at yourself. And you may have noticed that a lot of these signs are measurable, right? Particularly things like weight loss, things like sleep volume, things like blood pressure, heart rate variability. So there are physiological effects of training too much and not getting enough rest. But there's also emotional changes, and I think this is something that can take a lot of people by surprise, because there's this is a physical component, but that's not the only component. And these, I am a big fan of movement journaling, and journaling in in general, I am, it's a little bit of a joke with my friends that I have something like four journals going at any given time that I write in every day, but it's really helpful for me, and if it's not something that you do consistently, I'd, I'd recommend it. I actually, if you're in my conditioning club, when you sign up, I sent you a little movement journal. So feel free to use that i'm a, i'm like i said a big fan of journaling for keeping track of things like this But a couple mood changes you might wanna look for. So if you, oh, I loved going to pole, and like all of a sudden you dread going to pole class, you dread going and doing the conditioning. You may feel like, I don't know, tightness in your chest. You may try to come up with excuses to avoid it. That can be a symptom of overtraining. Mood changes, including depression. So depression is a symptom of overtraining. And again, if you've ever worked with a personal trainer, I mean, hopefully when you're checking in and sort of adjusting, the the challenge of your workouts, one of the things that they should be asking you about is how's your mood? How are you feeling? Because if you are suddenly depressed, it could be a symptom of overtraining. You may feel less confident, right? You may have more mental blocks about moves, right? So even maybe something that you used to be able to do, no problem. Even though you feel like you are about as strong, suddenly your body just won't let you do it. And that's a little bit of a protective mechanism. You've got that your body knows even if you don't that you are under a lot of physical stress you're under a lot of load so it may just be stopping you from doing something because it's like no it's too dangerous we don't have the ability fatigue so really just like feeling tired and it doesn't go away and it doesn't get better with sleep so Big, I mean, there's a lot of things that can cause fatigue and chronic fatigue is its own separate thing, but it may be due to overtraining. Things like apathy, just like not caring. Irritability, maybe you start snapping at people could be overtraining. And again, these are things that could also be caused by other things, but really important to to look out for, especially if you're also seeing a lot of these other symptoms as well. These physical symptoms it could be sad, right? Depression, sadness, they're both sort of like low mood. You might also see like anger or hostility that like, is uncharacteristic for you. You may have a really hard time concentrating. You may get confused more easily. You may need people to repeat things more often. You may just be bored. You may just not care. And you may just like not be motivated to train. And it's something that that I'll talk about with my students is like, if you really, really don't want to do pole, especially if it's something that you started doing as a fun activity that you, you really loved and that spark is gone, something is wrong. Something needs to change. And it may just be that you need a break from poll right you need to take a month a couple months off and then and then come back and some of my students listening may may recognize themselves in this but i will tell folks just to not come back for a month because i am i am noticing these these symptoms as we're talking about it I'm like you need to absolutely decrease your physical load in some way and coming to my classes is the way that i have control over as your as your trainer so lots of symptoms of overtraining. And again, this is not to scare you. This is not to be like, never do pole ever. Maybe obviously, like I love pole, you love pole. And I know that particularly if you're sort of in the early stages of overtraining and you're like, well, I don't have all these symptoms yet. If you just keep pushing through and you just keep not taking rest days, not taking deload weeks, maybe even like once a year you take a whole month off. If you're not building that into your training schedule, it's not going to get better. It will get worse, and it will start to negatively affect every single other part of your life. And this is this is way beyond pole. This is way beyond your exercise. This is about your ability to function as a human being. So, take care of yourself, right? Like as a pole teacher, and hopefully all pole teachers feel this way. I care way more about your health and well-being in the long term than I do. Oh, you get this next trick. Oh, you go to that specific competition. So if you are starting to recognize yourself in some of this discussion take out your calendar and pick some days or some weeks where you're like okay i'm not gonna do pole here i'm not gonna do rock climbing i'm not gonna do aerial i'm not gonna do things that are like pole i'm going to really genuinely remove this level of stress from my system give myself some time to rest and adapt and then come back in so moving on a little bit about our understanding of this process and why sort of like spaced rest is such a good idea. And I should say I'm not a scholar working in this area, so if anyone has more current knowledge, I'd be happy to hear it. But to my knowledge, probably the most commonly used model for modeling the relationship between exertion and rest is what's called the fitness fatigue model. And a good citation for this is the fitness fatigue model revisited implications for planning short and long-term training by two and barns. And strength and conditioning, all well, that is from 2003, so it's a little bit of an older article. Basically, the idea is that as you are working out, as you're building strength for pole, you are building fitness. So you're building your strength, your flexibility, your balance, your power, all those things we want for pole. But you're also building fatigue, right? So you can think about this as being sort of like two cups that are both being filled up. And the issue is you really only want the fitness cup. You don't want the fatigue cup. And the, the way that rest works is when you rest you empty out the fatigue cup first and the fitness cup pretty much stays the way where it is so you can generally take about three weeks off and see no change in strength Different studies say different things, but that seems to be sort of like the 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 length of break that the literature is convening on where like, you're not going to see a change in power, you're not going to see us change in strength. So don't worry if you're like, I can't take three weeks off a of pull, I'll, I'll lose all my gains. You will not. You will keep all your gains. What you will lose is the fatigue. So that's a sort of general idea and model and that these these two things have different growth rates and decay rates. And particularly when you're doing like really high performance training stuff, you're really trying to like rest as little as possible, but to get the fatigue down as much as possible so that you can continue to see increases in fitness. And again, get that little bit of extra advantage. So that's sort of the general idea. And I'll put the citation to that in the show notes as well. So we talked about my experience, the pole dancers overtrain a lot. What counts as rest? Not doing the thing that you are doing, in this case, pole, and things that are like pole physically. How often you should rest? Again, I generally recommend at least one rest day a week, and gentle cardio is fine. Movements you do in your life is fine. You don't have to lay there for eight hours unless you want to. And then having some variability in your training load and having a period of decreased load about once a month for about a week. is just my general recommendation. And then we talked about overtraining and a lot of the symptoms of overtraining and again, I cannot I cannot overemphasize over how serious this can be and how much it can negatively affect every single aspect of your life. So I do want you to take it serious and pay attention to how you're feeling and really advocate for yourself and schedule rest breaks if you start to notice any of these things creeping on in. We talked about the fitness fatigue model and we're gonna end up with a couple of extra questions that didn't really fit into my outline. So I had a great question. If you are sick and don't pull, does that count? No. <laughs> So rest is about giving your body time to recover, right? And when you are sick, if your body is fighting off an infection, it is working very hard, right? Think about the last time you were sick and how tired you felt. And you felt tired because there was a lot of exertion going on. There was a lot of stuff happening. There were big demands being made of your body. So I would say if you are sick and then take a break until you are feeling sort of like back to your baseline and then take an additional break after that, that last little break would count as rest. But just recovering from sickness absolutely doesn't count. And again, if you're overtraining, you're likely to get sick more often, which is sort of a double-edged sword. So if you are treating time that you are sick as rest, you are probably even more likely to overtrain, I would say. Yeah. Another question, how much sleep should you be getting? So this is a really fantastic question. Individual sleep needs vary a little bit, but I think general recommendation is six to eight hours. Sleep hygiene is also pretty important, right? So are you sleeping in a dark space as much as possible? Are you able to have really good quality of sleep? Do you have consistent bedtimes and wake up times? And I know that this is not something that is fun to hear but if you're someone who usually goes to bed at different times during the week and on weekends, as much as possible, I would recommend trying to keep to the same sleep schedule. Your circadian rhythm doesn't know about weekends, right? Your, your light exposure doesn't know about weekends. So yeah, try to get up and go to bed at roughly the same time every day. And I would say 68 hours. Some folks need less, some pe- folks need more. I'm definitely one of those I need eight hours of sleep sort of people. So another really good question and also a really fabulous question that I don't really know the answer to I did some digging around in the in the literature how does not getting enough rest rest impact spin tolerance so spin tolerance is basically can you spin for a long time without getting dizzy and particularly at the speeds that we tend to spin and pull we're sort of in a class with dancers and circus artists sorry not dancers dancers don't usually spin that fast we're in a class with circus artists and figure skaters specifically and I could not find specific work on spin tolerance I think that's a term that like we use in poll so what I did find was a lot of discussion of vertigo and vertigo fatigue and dizziness sort of coincide and for actually it seems like a lot of a lot of things fatigue and dizziness show up together so Question mark. I mean, certainly changes in blood pressure may cause lightheadedness, which will make it harder to spin. Inability to regulate your core temperature is going to particularly be related to more nausea. So yeah, I cannot find a scientific answer thinking about myself and my body. I don't know that I have an answer to that as well. But also, I have a very high spin tolerance, so I don't know that I would notice a, a small change, right? So just like if you're carrying 50 pounds and somebody adds a pound, you don't really notice it as much as if you're carrying two pounds and somebody adds a pound. So I think someone with less of a spin tolerance might notice more in effect, whichever direction. And I mean, my general guess would be that as you get more fatigued and if you're not getting enough rest, your spin tolerance will get worse, but I don't have any evidence there, so. Yeah, if anyone knows of any good information there, I would love to love to hear it. All right, so that's all that I had for today. And I would say if you take one thing away from this, it is that the rest is just as important as the work. There's no such thing as laziness. Laziness is a made-up concept. <laughs> and if you don't rest, your body's gonna make it so that you do have to rest and it's not going to be pleasant for either of you. So yeah, definitely prioritize getting enough rest. And again, if you've ever worked with a personal trainer, if you've ever worked with a strength and conditioning coach, you, you will probably have heard all of this before. <laughs> it may be review for you. So uh, the exercise science, the sport science, very, very clear overtraining is awful for you and it's, it's proportional, right? So you may, you may be overtraining at a level where someone who is more conditioned is just like their regular training. So it's really dependent on you. It's really dependent on your capacity. And probably the best thing that you can do for yourself is keep a journal, track how you're feeling, track the physical symptoms and track your emotional symptoms and sort of the mental health side of things as well and keep an eye on it and say safe. And a good, healthy rest routine is going to help you continue to pull and continue to pull effectively long, long into the future and help you have a really long, healthy, happy pull career. And I think that's what we all want. So thank you so much for joining today. I hope you found this helpful. I hope you learned something and you feel empowered to go, I don't know, maybe take a nap and I will see you next week. Thanks so much for joining me today, pole dancer. This podcast is a production of Slink Through Strength, the inclusive, evidence-based online pole studio. So if you're looking for a place to train, either off pole conditioning and flexibility, or learning pole tricks and refining your pole movement, you can find us online at slinkthroughstrength.com.